Continuation, Chapter 19, Book 4 of Marie Antoinette and Her Son. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Kathy Hart. Marie Antoinette and Her Son by Louise Mielbach. In the meanwhile, the long-delayed help had reached the king. The National Guards had overcome the raging multitude and gained possession of the great reception-room where Louis was. The mayor of Paris, Petion, had come at last, and hailed loudly by the crowd, which occupied the whole space in the rear of the National Guards, he approached the king. "'Sire,' said he, "'I have just learned what is going on here.' "'I am surprised at that,' answered the king, with a reproachful look. "'The mayor of Paris ought to have learned before this about this tumult, which has now been lasting three hours.' "'But it is now at an end, sire, since I have come,' cried Petion proudly. "'You have now nothing more to fear, sire.' "'To fear,' replied Louis with a proud shrug. "'A man who has a good conscience does not fear. "'Feel,' he said, taking the hand of a grenadier who stood at his side. "'Lay your hand upon my heart, and tell this man whether it beats faster.' Petion now turned to the people and commanded them to withdraw. "'Fellow citizens!' said he. You began this day wisely and worthily. You have proved that you are free, in the day as you began it. Separate peaceably, do as I do, return to your homes, and go to bed. The multitude, flattered by Petion's praises, began to withdraw, and the National Guard escorted the king into the great council chamber, where a deputation of the National Assembly had met, to pay their respects to the king. Where is the queen? Where are the children? cried the king, as exhausted he sank into a chair. His gentlemen hastened out to bring them, and soon the queen and the children came in. With extended arms, Marie Antoinette hastened to her husband, and they remained a long time locked in their embrace. "'Papa king!' cried the Dauphin. "'Give me a kiss, too. I have deserved it, for I was brave and did not cry when the people put the red cap on my head.' The king stooped down to the child and kissed his golden hair, and then pressed his little daughter, who was nestled up to him, to his heart. The deputy stood with curious looks around the group, to whom it was not granted, even after such a fearful day and imminent peril, to embrace each other and thank God for their preservation without a witness. "'Confess, madam,' said one of the deputies to Marie Antoinette in a confidential tone, "'confess that you have experienced great anxiety.' "'No, sir,' replied the queen, "'I have not been anxious, but I have suffered severely, "'because I was separated from the king at a moment when his life was threatened. "'I had at least my children with me, and so could discharge one of my duties.' "'I will not excuse everything that took place today,' said the deputy with a shrug, "'but confess at least, madam, that the people conducted themselves very well. "'Sir, the king and I are convinced of the natural good nature of the people.' They are only bad when they are led astray. Some of the other deputies approached the Dauphin and directed various questions to him, in order to convince themselves about his precocious understanding that was so much talked about. One of the gentlemen, speaking of the day that had gone by, compared it with St. Bartholomew's night. The comparison does not hold, cried another. Here is no Charles the Ninth, and no Catherine de' Medici either, said the Dauphin quickly, pressing the hand of the queen to his lips. "'Oh, see, the little scholar!' cried the bystanders. "'Let us see whether he knows as much about geography as about history. 
and all pressed up to him and put questions to him about the situation and boundaries of france and about the divisions of the french territory into departments and districts the prince answered all these questions quickly and correctly after every answer he cast an inquiring glance at the queen and when he read in her looks that his answers had been correct his eyes brightened and his cheeks glowed with pleasure our dauphin is really learned cried one of the deputies i should like to know whether he has paid enough attention yet to the arts do you love music my little prince ah sir answered the dauphin eagerly whoever has heard mamma sing and play must love music do you sing too prince the dauphin raised his eyes to his mother mamma he asked shall i sing the prayer of this morning marie antoinette nodded sing it my son for perhaps god heard it this morning and has graciously answered it the dauphin sank upon his knees and folding his hands he raised his head and turned his blue eyes toward heaven and with a sweet voice and a mild smiling look he sang these words si elle entend la prière qui si je fais conserve ainsi bois père à ses choses heaven accept the prayer i offer here unto his subjects spare my father dear a deep solemn silence reigned while the dauphin's voice rang through the room the face of the deputies hitherto defiant and severe softened deeply moved they all looked at the beautiful boy who was still on his knees his countenance beaming and with a smile upon his face like that of one in a blissful dream no one ventured to break the silence the king whose arms were thrown around the neck of his daughter looked affectionately at the dauphin madame elizabeth had folded her hands and was praying but marie antoinette no longer able to control her deep emotion covered her face with her hands and wept in silence from this day the life of the royal family was one of constant excitement and incessant feverish expectation of coming evil the king bore it all with an uncomplaining resignation no one drew from him a complaint no one a reproach but the thought never seemed to occur to him that perhaps even yet safety might be attained by energy by spirit or even by flight he had surrendered all he was ready to suffer as a christian instead of rising as a king and preferred to fall in honorable battle rather than to live despised marie antoinette had given up her efforts to inspire her husband with her own energetic will she knew that all was in vain and had accepted her fate since she could not live as a queen she would at least die as one she made her preparations for this calmly and with characteristic decision they will kill me i know she said to her maids i have only one duty left to me to prepare myself to die she lost her accustomed spirit wept much and exhibited a great deal of feeling yet she still stood guard over the shattered throne like a resolute sentinel and she looked around with sharp and searching glances to keep an eye on the enemy and to be ready for his nearer approach she still continued to receive the news about everything that transpired in paris everything that was resolved upon in the national assembly and discussed in the clubs and had the libels and pamphlets which were directed at her all sent to her marie antoinette understood the condition of the capital and the feeling of the people better than the king did who often sat for hours and at times whole days silent and unoccupied better even then did the ministers she received every morning the reports of the emissaries followed the intrigues of the conspirators and was acquainted with the secret assemblies which marat called together and the alliances of the clubs 
she knew about the calling together of the forty-eight sections of the paris fraternity in one general convention she knew that petion danton and manuel three raving republicans were at the head and their emissaries were empowered to stir up the suburbs in the city she knew too that the monsters from marseilles who had been active on the twentieth of june were boasting that they were going to repeat the deeds of that day on a greater scale nor was it unknown to her that more than half the deputies in the national assembly belonged to the jacobin party and they were looking for an opportunity to strike a fresh blow at royalty very often when at dead of night marie antoinette heard the noisy chorus of the rioters from marseilles singing beneath her windows de la patrie or the prisons chanting the ca ira fa ira she sprang from her bed she now never disrobed herself on retiring hurried to the beds of her children to see that they were not in danger or called the maids and commanded them to light the candles that they might at least see the danger which threatened at last on the night of the ninth of august the long-feared terror arrived a gun fired in the court of the tuileries announced its advent marie antoinette sprang from her bed and sent her waiting maid to the king and waken him the king had already risen his ministers and a few tried friends were now with him the queen wakened her children and assisted in dressing them she then went with the little ones to the king who received them with an affectionate greeting at length a blast of trumpets announced that the movement had become general the thunder of cannons and the peals of bells awakened the sleeping city the royal family crowded close together silently awaiting the stalking of the republic into the halls of the king's palace or the saving of the monarchy by the grace of god and the bravery of their faithful friends for even then the monarchy had those who were true to it and while the trumpet blast continued and the bells to ring to awaken republicans to the struggle the sounds were at the same time the battle-cry of the royalists and told them that the king was in danger and needed their help about two hundred noblemen had remained in paris and had not followed the royal princes to coblentz to take arms against their own country they had remained in paris in order to defend the monarchy to the last drop of their blood and at least to be near the throne if they were not able to hold it up longer in order not to be suspected they carried no arms and yet it was known that beneath the silk vest of the cavalier they concealed the dagger of the soldier and they received in consequence the appellation of chevaliers of the dagger at the first notes of the trumpet the nobility had hurried on the night of the tenth of august at the tuileries which were already filled with grenadiers swiss guards and volunteers of every rank who had hastened thither to protect the royal family all their staircases all the corridors and rooms were occupied by them the chevaliers of the dagger marched in solemn procession by them all to the grand reception room where the king the queen and the children with respectful mien they approached the royal pair employing the king's permission to die for him and beseeching the queen to touch their weapons in order to make them victorious and to allow them to kiss the royal hand in order to sweeten the death for them there were cries of enthusiasm and loyalty on all sides long live the king of our fathers cried the young people long live the king of our children cried the old man taking the dauphin in their arms and raising him above their heads as if he were the living banner in whose defence they wished to die as the morning dawned the king at the pressing request of his wife walked with her and the children through the halls and galleries of the palace to reanimate the courage of the defenders who were assembled there and to thank them for their fidelity 
everywhere the royal family was received with enthusiasm everywhere oaths of loyalty to death resounded through the rooms the king then went accompanied by a few faithful friends down into the park to review the battalions of the national guard who were stationed there when louis appeared the cry long live the king began to lose the unanimity which had characterized it in the palace it was suppressed and overborne by the hostile murmur and the farther the king advanced the louder grew these mutterings till at last from hundreds and hundreds of throats the thundering cry resounded abdication or death long live Batillon! resignation or death the king turned hastily around and with pale face and forehead covered with drops of cold sweat he returned to the palace all is lost cried the queen bitterly nothing more remains for us than to die worthily but soon she raised herself up again and new courage animated her soul and when she saw that the new defenders were constantly pressing into the hall and that even many grenadiers of the national guard mingled in the ranks of the nobility but these noblemen these chevaliers of the dagger excited mistrust and a major of the national guard demanded their removal with a loud voice no cried the queen eagerly these noblemen are our best friends place them before the mouth of the cannon and they will show you how death for one's king is met do not disturb yourselves about these brave people she continued turning to some grenadiers who were approaching her your interest and theirs are common everything that is dearest to you and them wives children property depends on your courage and your common bravery the grenadiers extended their hand to the chevaliers and mutual oaths were exchanged to die for the royal family to save the throne or to perish with it it was a grand and solemn moment full of lofty eloquence the hearts of these noblemen and these warriors longed impatiently for death with their hands laid upon their weapons they awaited its coming the populace rolled up in great masses to the palace wild shrieks were heard the thunder of cannons the harsh cries of women and the yells of men within the palace they listened with suspended breath the queen straightened herself up grasped with a quick movement the hands of her children drew them to herself with her head bent forward and with breathless expectation gazed at the door like a lioness awaiting her enemy and making herself ready to defend her young with her own life the door was suddenly opened and the attorney-general rolderer burst in sire cried he with impassioned utterance you must save yourself all opposition is in vain only the smallest part of the national guard is to be trusted and even this part only waits the first pretext to fraternize with the populace the cannoneers have already withdrawn the loading from the cannon because they are unwilling to fire upon the people the king has no time to lose sire there is protection for you only in the national assembly and only the representatives of the people can now protect the royal family the queen uttered a cry of anger and horror how she cried what do you say we seek protection with our worst enemies never oh never rather will i be nailed to these walls than leave the palace to go to the national assembly and turning to the king who stood silent and undecided she spoke to him with flaming words with glowing eloquence addressed him as the father of the dauphin the successor of henry the fourth and louis the fourteenth sought to animate his ambition and touch his heart and tried for the last time to kindle him with her courage and her decision in vain all in vain the king remained silent and undecided a cry one single cry of grief burst from the lips of the queen 
and one moment her head sank upon her breast. "'Hasten, hasten, sire!' cried Roderer. "'Every moment increases the peril. In a quarter of an hour perhaps the queen and the children will be lost beyond remedy.' These words awakened the king from his reverie. He looked up and nodded his head. "'We can do nothing else,' he said. "'Let us go at once to the National Assembly.' "'Sir!' cried the queen, turning to Roderer. "'Is it true that we are deserted by all?' "'Madame,' answered the attorney-general, sadly. "'All opposition is in vain. "'It will only increase the danger. "'Would you suffer yourself, the king, your children, your friends, to be killed?' "'God forbid it, would that I alone could be offering.' "'Another minute,' urged Roderer, "'perhaps another second, and it is impossible to guarantee your life, "'and perhaps that of your husband and children.' my children cried the queen throwing her arms around them and drawing them to her breast no oh no i will not give them over to the knife one sigh one last sob burst from her lips and she released herself from the children and approached the king and his ministers this is the last sacrifice she said heavily that i can offer i submit myself monsieur Roderer. And then, with louder tones, as if she wanted to call all present to be witnesses, she continued, "'Will you pledge yourself for the person of the king and for that of my son?' "'Madame,' answered Roderer solemnly, "'I pledge myself for this, that we are all ready to die at your side. That is all I can promise.' And now the noblemen and the grenadiers pressed up to the king and the queen in their escort. "'For God's sake,' cried Roderer, "'no demonstration, or the king is lost.' "'Remain, my friends,' said the king stolidly. "'Await our return here.' "'We shall soon return,' said Marie Antoinette. And leading her two children, she followed the king, who walked slowly through the hall. Princess Lamballe and Madame Tourzel brought up the rear. It was done. The dying monarchy left the royal palace to put itself under the protection of the revolution, which was soon to give birth to the republic. It was six o'clock in the morning when the royal family crossed the threshold of the Tuileries. In front, the king conducting princess elizabeth on his arm behind him the queen with the two children before leaving the palace the king received tidings that a part of the national guard had withdrawn in order to protect their families and their property from an attack of the populace and that another part had declared itself against the king in favor of the revolution louis made his way through the seething crowd that scarcely opened to allow a free passage for the royal family and overwhelmed them with curses insults and abuse some members of the national assembly went in advance and could themselves scarcely control the raging waves of popular fury on the terrasse de fouillons the people shouted down with the tyrants to death to death with them the dauphin cried aloud with fright for the bloody hands of two yelling women were extended after him a grenadier sprang forward and seized the boy with his strong arm and raised him upon his shoulder my son give me back my son cried the queen wildly the grenadier bowed to her do not be afraid do you not recognize me marie antoinette looked at him and the hint of a smile passed over her face she did indeed recognize him who like a good angel was always present when danger and death threatened her it was toulon the faithful one by her side in the uniform of the national guardsman courage courage good queen the demons are loose but good angels are near to thee too and where those curse and howl these bring blessing and reconciliation down with the tyrants roared the savage women do not be afraid my prince said the grenadier to the dauphin whom he carried upon his shoulder in order to protect him from the thronging crowd nobody will hurt you 
Not me, but my dear papa, sobbed the child while the tears rolled over his pale cheeks. The poor child trembled and was afraid, and how could he help it? Even the king was terrified for a moment and felt as if the tears were coming into his eyes. The queen, too, wept, dried her tears, and then wept again. The sad march consumed more than an hour in order to traverse the bit of way to the Monège, where the National Assembly met. Before the doors of the building the cries were doubled. The attorney-general harangued the mob and sought to quiet it and pushed the royal family into the narrow corridor in which, hemmed by abusive crowds, they made their way forward slowly. At last the hall doors opened, and as Marie Antoinette passed in behind the king, Toulon gave the little dauphin to her, who flung both his arms around the neck of his mother. A death-like silence reigned in the hall. The deputies looked with dark faces at the newcomers. No one rose to salute the king. No word of welcome was spoken. The king took his place by the side of the president. The queen and her ladies took the chairs of the ministers. Then came an angry cry from the tribune. The Dauphin must sit with the king. He belongs to the nation. The Austrian has no claim to the confidence of the people. An officer came down to take the child away. But Louis Charles clung to his mother. Fear was expressed on his features. Tears stood in his eyes and won a word of sympathy so that the officer did not venture to remove the prince forcibly. A deep silence sat in again, till the king raised his voice. I have come hither, he said, to prevent a great crime, and because I believe that I am safest surrounded by the representatives of the nation. Sire, replied President Vergniaud, you reckon upon us the devotion of the National Assembly. It knows its duties. Its members have sworn to live and die in the defense of the rights of the people and of the constitutional authorities. Voices were heard at this point from all sides of the hall, declaring that the Constitution forbids the assembly holding its deliberations in the presence of the king and the queen. Then they took the royal family into the little low box scarcely ten feet long, in which the reporters of the logograph used to write their accounts of the doings of the assembly. Into this narrow space were a king, a queen, with her sister and her children, their ministers and faithful servants, crowded to listen to the discussion concerning the deposition of the king. From without there came into the hall the wild cry of the populace that the Swiss guards had been killed, and shouts accompanied the heads as they were carried about upon the points of pikes. The crack of muskets was heard, and the roar of cannon. The last faithful regiments were contending against the army of the revolutionists, while within the hall the election by the French people of the general convention was discussed. This scene lasted the whole day. The whole day the queen sat in glowing heat, her son asleep in her lap, motionless, and like a marble statue. She appeared to be alive only when once in a while sigh or faint moan escaped her. A glass of water mixed with currant juice was the only nourishment she took through the day. At about five in the afternoon, while the assembly was still deliberating about the disposal of the king, Louis turned composedly around to the valet who was standing back of him. "'I am hungry.' he said bring me something to eat hugh hastened to bring from a restaurant near by a piece of roast chicken some fruit and stewed plums a small table was procured and carried into the reporter's box of the logograph the countenance of the king lightened up a little as he sat down at the table and ate his dinner with a good appetite he did not hear the suppressed sobs that issued from a dark corner of the box 
to this corner the unhappy woman had withdrawn who yesterday was queen of france and whose pale cheeks reddened with shame at this hour to see the king eating with his old relish the tears started afresh from her eyes and in order to dry them she asked for a handkerchief for her own was already wet with her tears and with the sweat with which she wiped from the forehead of her sleeping boy but no one of her friends could reach her a handkerchief that was not red with the blood of those who had been wounded in the defence of the queen it was only at two o'clock in the night that the living martyrdom of this session ended and the royal family were conducted to the cells of the former convent du fillon which was above the rooms of the assembly and which had hastily been put in readiness for the night-quarters of the royal family hither armed men using their gun-barrels as candlesticks for the tapers which they carried marched conducting a king and queen to their improvised sleeping-rooms a dense crowd of people bearing weapons surrounded them and often closed the way so that it needed the energetic command of the officer in charge to make free passage for them the populace drew back but bellowed and sang into the ears of the queen as she passed by madame vito avez promis de fégorger tout paris these horrible faces these threatening abusive voices frightened the dauphin who clung tremblingly to his mother marie antoinette stooped down to him and whispered a few words in his ear at once the countenance of the boy brightened and he sprang quickly and joyfully up the staircase but at the top he stood still and waited for his sister who was so heavy with sleep that she had to be led up slowly listen therese said the prince joyously mamma has promised me that i shall sleep in her room with her because i was so good before the bad people and he jumped about delightedly into the rooms which had been opened and in which a supper had even been prepared but suddenly his countenance darkened and his eyes wandered around with an ancient look where is mouflet he asked he came with me and he was with me when we left the box mouflet mouflet where are you mouflet and asking this question loudly the dauphin hurried through the four rooms everywhere seeking after the little dog the inheritance from his brother the former dauphin of france but mouflet did not come and all search was in vain no mouflet was to be found he had probably been lost in the crowd or been trodden under foot when at last silence and peace came the royal family were resting on their hard beds sighs and suppressed sobs were heard from where the dauphin lay it was the little fellow weeping for his lost dog the heir of the kings of france had to-day lost his last possession his little faithful dog marie antoinette stooped down and kissed his wet eyes do not cry my boy mouflet will come back again to-morrow to-morrow certainly mamma certainly the boy dried his tears and went to sleep with a smile upon his lips but marie antoinette did not sleep sitting erect in her bed she listened to the cries and the fiendish shoutings which came up from the terrasse de Fillons as the people heaped their abuse upon her and demanded her head on the next day new sufferings the royal family had to go again into the little box which they had occupied the day before they had to listen to the deliberation of the national assembly about the future residence of the royal family which had made itself unworthy to inhabit the tuileries while even the luxembourg palace was no suitable residence for the monsieur and madame vito the queen had in the meantime regained her self-possession and calmness she could even summon a smile to her lips with which to greet her children and the faithful friends who thronged around her in order to be near her in these painful hours she was pleased with the attentions of the wife of the english ambassador lady sutherland who sent linen and clothes of her own son for the dauphin 
the queen also received from madame tourzel her watch with many thanks since she had been robbed of her own and her purse on the way to the convent des Fouillons. on receiving news of this theft the five gentlemen present hastened to lay all the gold and notes that they carried about them on the table before they withdrew but marie antoinette had noticed this gentlemen she said with thanks and deep feeling gentlemen keep your money you will want it more than we for you will i trust live longer death had no longer any terrors for the queen for she had too often looked him in the eye of late to be afraid she had with joy often seen him take away her faithful servants and friends death would have been lighter to bear than the railings and abuse which she had to experience upon her walks from the logograph reporter's seat to the rooms in the Couvent du Fouillons. On one of these walks she saw in the garden some respectably dressed people standing and looking without hurling insults at her. Full of gratitude, the queen smiled and bowed to them. On this, one of the men shouted, You needn't take the trouble to shake your head so gracefully, for you won't have it much longer. I would the men were right, said Marie Antoinette softly going on to the hall of the assembly to hear the representatives of the nation discuss the question whether the swiss guard who had undertaken to defend the royal family with weapons in their hands should not be condemned to death as traitors to the french nation at length after five days of continued sufferings the assembly became weary of insulting and humiliating longer those who had been robbed of their power and dignity and it was announced to the royal family that they would hereafter reside in the temple and be perpetual prisoners of the nation on the morning of the eighteenth of august two great carriages each drawn by only two horses stood the court de fouillons ready to carry the royal family to the temple in the first of these sat the king the queen their two children madame elizabeth and princess lamballe madame tourzel and her daughter and besides these petion the mayor of paris the attorney-general and a municipal officer in the second carriage were the servants of the king and two officials a detachment of the national guards escorted the carriage on both sides of which dense masses of men stood incessantly pouring out their abuse and insults in the place vendome the procession stopped with a scornful laughter they showed the king the scattered fragments upon the pavements of the equestrian statue of louis the fourteenth which had stood there and which had been thrown from its pedestal by the anger of the people so shall it be with all tyrants shouted and roared the mob raising their fists threateningly how bad they are said the dauphin looking widely opened eyes at the king between whose knees he was standing no answered louis gently they are not bad they are only misled at seven in the evening they reached the gloomy building which was now the home of the king and queen of france long live the nation roared the mob which filled the inner court as marie antoinette and her husband dismounted from the carriage long live the nation down with the tyrants the queen paid no attention to the cries she looked down at her black shoe which was torn and out of whose tip her white silk stocking peeped see she said to princess lamballe who was walking by her side see my foot it would hardly be believed that the queen of france has no shoes this is the end of chapter 19, book 4, read by Kathy Hart.